speaking of taxes, uh, uh, James, because you must have done this, I assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it last week? I incorporated. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it solves a bunch of problems for you and creates a bunch more headaches. So congratulations. I can't wait for the headaches. <laughs> yeah. Technically, you're supposed to be paying your taxes quarterly uh, what? for a corporation. I know. What? I know. I just pay them yeah. all at the end of the year because there's yeah. like a fucking penalty of like a hundred, two hundred dollars to do it that way. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna spend two hundred dollars on not having to go through the hassle of fucking paying my taxes yeah, quarterly no. mm, like a maniac. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Gross. <laughs> uh, you know, if you are an IRS policymaker out there uh, listening, <laughs> your fucking little plan to get an extra two hundred dollars out of America's small businesses is working, and I hope you feel fucking satisfied and thank you for listening to the show thank you for listening Please to the show your friends support us on patreon <laughs> like and share <laughs> i'm let's fucking work <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry Nathan. no you're good <laughs> does not have this illusion broken yet. The the thing that we know from what happened with Gable and Travis is the illusion doesn't go away until you've dealt with the pollen Mm. or your perception of it. There is something in the back of the back of uh, Oromar's subconscious that is like, this isn't a target you should be attacking. I think you get like one inch punched into Mm -hmm. a tree behind you. Like you see Omar immediately go into melee range and then a force in your solar plexus and you go uh, yeah, flying it's like, backwards. <laughs> it's like, uh, Travis, I'm here to help you. You have to cover your... Oromar hits Jonnet and then Jonnet immediately looks like Jonnet on impact. And I think the kind of like, you know, psychological horror of having potentially mortally wounded somebody that you care about. I think fits within the over of this hallucinatory torture that the characters are going through. You can see above Jonnet holding him, bracing the boy's shoulders, is Hip. Hip mm-hmm. says, Don't worry, I'll take care of this. And gently pushes Jonnet to the side as he steps forward and you know, like if I think if shock is appearing on Travis's face. What we're going to do is give give y'all a real fighting chance because this is, you know, a not insignificant combat. Mm-hmm. Hip will grab a, a gourd flask that, that's on his side, uh, drink some of it down, and then, like, the rock style, or I guess it was more of a Triple H move, spit a mist into Travis's or Mars' face. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will 
clear up the most of the visual effects of the pollen. What I'm going to say is this is not as cleansing as like the divine fire that Gable was able to summon with their hands. So it doesn't burn the pollen away. It creates this like kind of effect where you're able to like half see through the illusions. Like you're, you're still kind of your body is perceiving them, mm. but you are also getting to perceive the real world at the same time. And I think this will give your group what you need to brace and start this fight in earnest, which means I need initiative rolls from everyone. Okay. For me, that is one success and three advantages. I rolled a yellow die and a green die, and they both went blank face up. <laughs> oh. um. I mean, it's not, it's not bad. It just means that, you know, you don't get any, you know, advantage in the initiative order. So, what you get to do with your advantage is establish things in the scene that would be beneficial or advantageous to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think with the three advantages, the way that the uh, roots and earth have been shifted by Jonnet earlier means that the green hearts can only really attack from one direction it seems that the path of least resistance of this battle arena leads them to us in a fashion where we don't need to be watching our backs as heavily oh i like that that's good that's a good thing to establish as you can see this like valley now where the earth has been pushed aside and there's this tangle of roots and then kind of emerging through it climbing in like really contortionist and unnatural looking ways mm -hmm. are the pale forms of the green hearts there is this thing that is like really disorienting when you see a mimic bird making a sound that like you know, you wouldn't expect a bird to make when they are mm. mimicking like a sound of like knocking on wood or, or, or something similar. I think these green hearts open their mouths and like let loose a forest sound. Like I think the way that foxes yell is like a little bit unnatural sounding. Mm -hmm. So like they let out like a fox call. It is just frightening uh, mm. uh, to, to, to have come out of like a human looking body. They crawl and now they are bounding towards you from root to root. Oromar, I believe, is the closest. Uh, so the first thing they're going to do is attack him. All right. Come at me. They do manage to hit, but just barely. You have four damage coming at you. You're going to be using Travis Matigo's soak. Oh, wait. Huh. I should actually add the black die there for Travis's outfit. That unfortunately did not help too much. Uh, okay. So they got a success and a threat. Mm -hmm. They come at you, and again, like their claws. Uh, oh, actually, is Oromar. Feeling it all as though he is in a state of despair. That is important. How bad? Genuinely. Uh, genuinely. How bad? How bad is Jonnet? Is my question. To to because if it's kind of like you know, if I broke a bone, I think uh, Orimar would be in uh, a state of 
uh, horror and despair. So if the damage just... that you would have done from the brawl would have been based on Travis's brawn plus net successes. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. real quick, sorry. Um, did Janet take any damage from that one inch punch? It definitely, yeah. d- definitely would have taken damage. But uh, that, how many successes did you have on that? Three. It was Nathan? three. It was uh, three successes. And, so you would uh, have four damage coming at you minus your soak. Okay, so. Thank you. So that's three three damage to wounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. So you definitely hit a kid harder than you intended. <laughs> mm-hmm. You could be feeling like the edge of some despair. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there is a... Uh, if if it uh, re- resolves over the course of this, that Oromar understands that Jonnet has taken major damage, like significant damage, then despair would immediately hit. Uh, but for now, confusion and adrenaline is maybe the primary feeling. I kind of actually, I'm I'm going to ask you, Nathan, to especially to establish the threat of how this works. Mm-hmm. I kind of like there being like this happens in a split second of the mm. realization. So like there might be some despair. And this is when you feel behind you, it is either being torn at by like animalistic claws or the cut of a chill knife sailing through the air. Okay, so this is just five damage minus soak. That's four damage and actually very bad because Aramai has been wounded a number of times already. All right. Well, this, hey, then this is exciting. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you are feeling what you, part of you now knows is the touch of a green heart, just like brutally and animalistically using a solid body as a weapon Mm -hmm. or the illusion, the parts of you that are still within the illusion you think you feel the chill knife of the cutting stone, which finds beings in despair and puts mm. them out of their misery. So what you're learning here is the knives of the cutting stone will deal double damage to beings who are caught in despair. Mm-hmm. So should you despair at any point during this fight, things could get bad. Uh, and we'll definitely call that a temporary condition for you, Nathan. But two other green hearts leap forward, one diving towards Jonnet and the other diving towards Hip. Okay. The one after Jonnet just barely manages to succeed. I don't think Jonnet is in despair at all. <laughs> now nah, we're good. Yeah. So... <laughs> That's three damage coming at you. All soaked. Bam. And for hip, oh boy, hip is just with it. Yeah, that is a failure with two advantages. I think uh, the other green heart leaping towards hip, hip, uh, you know, is is kind of prepared for it, steps back and, you know, uh, grabs like... Let, let's the flask drop. It uh, swings from his hip now on uh, the little leather tether that, that is holding it there. He quickly draws a, a short blade, like a dagger and a revolver in his other hand. But the way the green heart is moving, like wildly uh, moving forward as fast as it can towards him, kind of like separates him from the group a little bit. Your defense line 
has been broken. So that will be the advantage that they get on you. But now, after those NPC slots, we're finally back down to PC slots. Um, mm. Who wants the first one? I feel like it would make sense that Jonnet takes that because I feel like Jonnet is in a is still trying to convey the information that you need to cover your face. Mm-hmm. So he gets he gets like struck, like falls back, gets caught. This sees an eye, hears white noise, and then the I assume the eye like like square. Like, you can't even really see if he squares. Basically, Jonnet like has already like seen himself knows himself to be like hallucinating at some point he's like this could be like a holdover of that I can't focus on this right now because Travis <laughs> is currently like worse for wear because he doesn't have uh, a covering on his face I think I remember from the last recording he was like tearing his shirt to mm. make a makeshift mask and so Jonnet is going to like kind of like Clutching his uh, his uh, chest a little bit because uh, he got the knit, the wind knocked out of him. He's gonna like try again. Uh, it's like Travis, Travis, like aren't like. And then I think he's going to start like leapfrogging across some roots, still towards Travis. Like I am going to forgive you for whatever that was because <laughs> you need to put this on your face. You can't be breathing it. There's something in the air. And so I I feel like maybe there's some kind of like athletic role because John is going to try to like avoid Greenheart's attacks so that he can make his way to Travis. And so there's maybe some like acrobatics. Athletics, athletics or, or coordination yeah. uh, would work well for this, whichever whichever you're better at, honestly. Uh, let's go with coordination. I imagine this being like a like a long like tracking shot. Oh, uh, against how much? I'm going to say average. Nope. You definitely made this advantageous for yourself. Uh, that's going to be three successes and one threat. I think... Like you are moving through, and there are a lot of green hearts. And in fact, difficult for you to count how many green hearts there are because, like, as you navigate through these roots, because <laughs> you you got like dived at and you had to avoid that. So, like, you you rolled away from where you were because, like, our understanding taking that one inch punch. Even flying back a little bit, you were relatively close to Oromar. Now it feels like there's an insurmountable distance between you and like Oromar and Travis's body. You dive in, moving on to this area where where there's just these tangle of roots and these limbs like come mm. out to grab you. It is horrifying, but you are mission focused. You are here to help your friend. You can see on his face, you know, thankfully because of whatever it is that Spit did to like clear his eyes, there is something of a, of a whisper of like recognition uh, on his face, but like still kind of like the anxiety panic of fighting the illusions that he is facing. But with this, you're definitely able to like get the mask around his face and like very quickly like tie it, especially, you know, John working on a ship. So, so good with knots, very easily so able to knots. tie it. And then you feel something grab your ankle. I think there's like a level of, what is it? It's like a Kong vault. Mm-hmm. Over uh, over a route that like puts him behind the captain and then uh, or Travis and then he like very quickly 
puts this on uh, uh, <laughs> puts this on his face ties it is tying it in the back he's like as I was saying before all right what I'm trying to say is I think there's something in the air so you have to put something and then uh, <laughs> the the thing like grabs Jonnet and pulls him uh, like grabs him like what this is gonna do is add disadvantage to, to your like checks or whatever um, but something something has grabbed you so I guess okay. Jonnet screams like a 15 year old who was unexpectedly grabbed by the ankle would scream <laughs> you have to put this on your foot that's great yeah now ormar you are no longer going to be suffering the the effects of the hallucination but between hips treatment and jonnet like covering your mouth you're going to be good to go the next slot's up pc slot Mm -hmm. Uh, i think we go internal to ormar for just a second where there is a large amount of thoughts and information rushing through really rapidly we re-see the point of impact of hitting Jonnet and the visual reflection of anguish of harming a crew member. Then kind of like a blurred input of Jonnet saying like there's something in the air, it's affecting how you breathe. And there is a stray notion of like, oh yes, I breathe in this body. <laughs> I suppose I do that automatically now, but... It required so much concentration to move my lungs in my previous body. Well, I had to drown out everything else. And there is a deep breath through the like gauze of the mask. And because while in Travis's body, Oromar is, seem- is basically having a continual sensory overload, is going to start shutting external information off to focus on breathing only and then maybe also like hearing to kind of navigate the space instead of having so many different feelings come and information come through at once he's just going to strip it all the way back and use that clarity of thought to make action excellent what do you do Mm. and i think with that with that breathe in the kind of like the sound of the forest just kind of mutes and we just hear we can definitely hear his own heartbeat and we can hear Jonnet's heartbeat and hips but do these green hearts have any any individualized sound to them does sap flow make a perception check absolutely darling that's cool one yellow, two green against what? Hard with a blue die. Sure. Mm. That is uh, two successes and uh, three threats. So the three threats are focusing this way. The green hearts have no heartbeat. Mm. There is no sound that they make. Like even as they move around the roots and whatnot they move with the forest when you step on the ground and it makes a noise that that is your body moving against everything you know you might step and snap a twig Mm. the green heart would never snap a twig it just steps with the forest as a part of it to make no ambient sound the only sounds they make are the strange mimicking calls they make through their mouths and when they hit you however a ways off Oromar 
just channeling on like these bare pieces of information, sorting through all of the overwhelming sensations that come through Travis's various senses and into his mind, stripping away the small parts. Like I imagine it's very much like isolating different parts of audio. Mm. Um, you mm-hmm. identify another series of heartbeats coming from trees not too far away. Mm. I think you see Travis Matigo full stock still. There's a pause. A hand, an armor hand raises, pointing in a direction in the tree line. And then just another burst of force as Oromar Vale once again moves ever forward against all odds towards a truth that only he knows. <laughs> Hell yes! Are you just moving or are you attacking? I think how this operates now is in a series of counter strikes. Oromar moves until there is an obstacle, then Oromar punches and then Oromar <laughs> resumes moving. Oh, hell yeah. This is like a, a Tony Jaw flick. You know, we've got this running. We have green hearts like coming at you. Oh, Oromar like jumps up, does the one of the double knees to the chest, mm-hmm. rolls and keeps moving. Like, yeah, you make it to the tree line as we can hear the heart beats of these trees like growing louder and louder in your ears throughout this scene and I think like through the heartbeats the heartbeats are also matching with like the various blows that you have to do to like knock opponents aside Mm. and out of your way Mm -hmm. as you push forward and just because I want it I would like this to be a move action for you to make it to these trees. Okay. You are faced with these trees. You can hear the heartbeats coming from them. What do you do? I think entirely forgetting how Travis's body is much more fragile than Oromar's just forms his hand into a singular point and just drives it straight through a fucking tree. Holy shit. I want you to roll. <laughs> I want you to roll for this with two black dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is against average because this is a melee attack. Also, mm-hmm. Travis slash Ormar has said nothing to Jonnet. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> Jonnet is so... <laughs> what? Who is piloting right now? <laughs> Good God. I guess this is still using like Travis's like brawn stats so this is actually not a very good role I'm doing a very foolish thing here is there a way for me to give myself a bit more of an advantage here oh hmm just roll more dice can I (laughs) in in the same way that in some instances when uh, Jonnet is casting uh, magic he's familiar with he just takes the two strain in addition to just rolling to do the thing ah may i use bone shaping to essentially Travis's force travis's body. body into just a single i don't i don't point. see <laughs> break his hand a single ossific point is like the title of an early 2000s emo, emo album. Um, yeah, I was going to sure. say, like, one of Trick's Point Never definitely released some kind of disgusting <laughs> noise core album. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 
I I think you can. I think if you take three strain, done. I will just allow it to happen as part of the attack. Mm. Uh, can I add a blue die in that this is now yes within? T- okay, this is still against my favor mathematically, but we'll see how we do. Yeah, yeah, just barely though. I know exactly what I want to happen. The floor, roll that, please. Okay. Oh, wow. It is five advantages. And nothing else? And nothing else. Great. (laughs) I rolled double advantages on all my positive die. (laughs) Good, but vague. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you you line up, you fuse these fingers together in, you know, like, I I don't know, in Kung Fu we called this like elephant strike. I don't Mm. know exactly what you would call it if you're trying to describe it, but like you form your fingers into the, the this point that you drive forward into the hollow of one of these trees. You don't feel like you strike anything solid as like you push inside, but blood starts to pour out uh. of the tree around your hand. Mm-hmm. I think the five advantages is your companions very quickly pick up on what's going on. There. Can we, uh, can we just put on top of that? Is this blood like thick, like sap? <laughs> this is like human blood. Oh, okay. All right. Out Gross. Of tree, yeah. Uh, I think there is almost like the, the whistling of a tea kettle, the exhale of breath from that inhale to try and block everything else out in just one long stream of air, and then I pass it. Yeah. <laughs> and Hip, like, looking across at, like, what Ormar did running over there, seeing, like, him stab into the tree, uh, and blood started to pour out. Holy shit. Hip, like, levels his pistol against one of these trees, and fires. Just barely a success. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. I think this causes like a severe twinge within all of the green hearts that you are fighting. Like you've just hit them in a very vital spot in ways like striking their bodies. Like if you were to strike their face or throat, they wouldn't show any pain or impact. But like hitting them here in the trees is really messing them up. Right in the mm. trees. So yeah, you have hit, and we're now around to the NPC slots, and we're gonna start with the one that is currently grabbing Jonnet. You know, Jonnet, you you're helping Travis or Oromar or whoever it is tying this mask around them. They bolted off and like punched a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're maybe like mid scream. Ah, like, what is what is what is this preserve that we're in? Also, I love the idea, love hate the idea of like something just like separated from the earth and it's just like a partially formed green heart just like grabbing at you. It wasn't ready to come, sur- come to the surface just yet. Ooh, brutal. Uh, so this is two successes and a threat. What I think happens, like this arm grabs you, is holding you, and like jerks back hard, like pulling you down, and like other arms come out. I, I think 
They are buried in the earth in this tangle of roots. They cannot really reach you super good apart from the ones that like have your legs mm-hmm. and like this is going to do a little bit of damage this is going to do five damage reduced by your soak mm-hmm. um, but like they are tearing at you trying to get you trying to hold you in place and they like kind of barely have a grip on you of course there's there's more just <laughs> walla <laughs> I think the the ones that Oromar ran through are going to try and come after Oromar now stuck in this tree and they f- fail with two failures. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think it's Oromar is, like, digging into this tree trying to get them. And, like, as he sees this group, you know, moving at him, like, there is either the fear that you would, like, pull back and try to defend yourself or the mission focuses on pushing through and going at what you're after. You just push in a little bit deeper and, like, it causes them to seize up in mm. pain before they ever reach you. Finally, we have a group uh, that is trying to go after Hit. So they are successful just barely. So they move after Hip, and Hip is, like, again, trying to create distance between himself and them using the dagger while carefully also at the same time trying to aim at the trees with the revolver. So Hip is having to move, step around these roots, and I I think, like, maybe there is not a full-on trip, but a stumble, and with that, one of these beings is able to, like, claw his chest near the eye that is, like, nearly formed in his side, and he, you know, lets out a a a call of pain, we're gonna say. And... That rolls us back around to our PC slots. Mm. I think, Oromar, we got to start with you. Yeah, I, uh, I I think the sudden, like, pain after doing the strike, there's, like, a delay before the, uh, the body uh, responds to what the fuck Oromar just put it through. Nobody, no normal human body expects their hands to suddenly fuse into a point of bone and jam it into solid wood. Turns out it hurts, probably. (laughs) (laughs) And there is a pull from the tree with a cry of pain. Excellent. And then... Entire forearm is just coated with blood. I I think um, whether it's from the splashback of plunging into the tree, or just the haze of pain, but I think from through Travis's eyes is now like red and hazy as Mm -hmm. we track the pointed hand moving towards one of the other like unwounded trees there's a slow breathing excellent roll your attack we're not gonna have any black dice in it or anything and now it is easy as trees are unmoving opponents Mm. so one purple die I will remind Nathan at this point and you know you don't need to take this reminder at all because like you're you're in a state but Travis does have guns mm-hmm. and is is quite physically <laughs> oh, good. Oh with yes, them. I I'm aware. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, but we we're, we're, we're sure. playing up the source style horror angle of like, oh, 
oh gosh, I need to do this again, don't I? Little does Zoro know, <laughs> he absolutely doesn't need to do this again. He can just use a gun. He was using one not half an hour ago. <laughs> There's, and what a lesson could be more American than that? Why solve a problem any other way when you can solve it with a gun? Mm. <laughs> also, why learn a lesson? Mm. <laughs> just, don't, just don't learn lessons. <laughs> just don't learn lessons. Fortunately, this time it is two hits and two advantages. All uh, right, all uh, right. So I am going to say the base damage on a bone blade is like, I'm going to say two because that's Mm -hmm. sort of what a a dagger equates to. Mm. It's two plus your brawn, which is one. That's three plus net successes, which was two. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's five. If I may, can Mm -hmm. I pull a human heart out of this tree? Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Why even ask? The fingers separate back into a human hand again, as then Oromar wrenches the hand back out of the tree with like uh, a still yeah. beating heart. What we need to think about when we think about this is the initial, like the outer layer of this tree is is still quite hard. Like there is a layer of wood, but mm. like you know when wood has been rotting like just partially once you push through that solid layer mm. inside it is soft Gross. and that is terrible like you Gross. pull it out and like there's this flood of blood that gushes out around and you've got the beating heart in your hand mm-hmm. yeah Oromar Travis slowly turns back to I guess the remainder of the green hearts that haven't been struck by that damaged attack and just looks at them holding mm-hmm. this heart in his hand I think a portion of them fall dead. Like, Mm. as you withdraw the heart from the tree, they just seize and fall down. Hey, heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, if you are listening to this episode on the day that it comes out, probably right now, like this very minute, we are doing our first community re-listen event. I'm going to do a live listen-along of episode 26 of Skyjacks and a Q&A about early Skyjacks. I, of course, will also be adding my own thoughts in the early episodes, like with the perspective of having done this show for a very long time. I promise it'll be fun and interesting. It's happening on the day that this episode drops, January 25th starting at 12 p.m. Central Time. And if you missed it, don't worry. We're going to have more community listening events in the future, ones that I will have had more time to promote. And the video on demand will be available on our Twitch page for a couple weeks, followed by our YouTube page. A reminder, I'm currently running a contest. If you pre-order my newest RPG product, the Ultimate RPG Campfire Cards, which are a tool and minigame designed to help make the process of creating character bonds and deepening their relationships easy and fun, and you email me a receipt of your pre-order to contests at oneshotpodcast.com, you'll be entered to win an opportunity to pick the subject of the next Skyjack short story that I write. All you need to do to pre-order is head to bit.ly slash ultimate campfire or bit.ly slash campfire RPG and submit a pre-order. And you'll be sure to get a copy of Campfire Cards in August. As always, a huge thank you to our backers on Patreon. We could not afford to make this show without you. So if you like what you hear, please head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up to be a backer. 
If you love the world of Sphere and Skyjacks, one of the pieces of bonus content that you get over there is access to our Patreon-exclusive Starwall campaign, where we are playtesting the Skyjacks RPG. And it features Mel D'Amato, Drew Merzieski, and Ali Grauer. So a lot of great Skyjacks talent showing up there. Give that campaign a shot. I know you'll like it. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Again, want to make sure that everyone is bracing themselves. As this next part shows, things are about to get big. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. The star in the sky flares. What you would know if you had access to a very powerful telescope, mm-hmm. it is descending from the heavens oh, okay. right now as we speak. Hey, so uh, um, I have a lot of old friends from my old work and uh, uh, one one's going to come hang out, but I don't need to meet them right now. So how about we get the get out? Okay. Hang out in a fun way or a... No, in a bad way. <sighs> All right. I have a lot of friends from my old work that are like that, too. A lot of friends from a lot of old works and a lot of f- friends from present mm-hmm. works. Maybe we could just smooth things over? No, 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 no. I don't think so. Uh, hey, so let's let's just keep on walking. I'm going to do one quick last spell and for you and me, if that's okay. Okay. All right, I'm going to cast a little invisibility from, if we can. I would love for you to do this. I pictured you now, like, as you see that the star is descending, like you running over to the the, the log to retrieve your sword. Mm-hmm. But yeah, try and cast this spell for me. I will. After this spell, can we do pee breaks? Yeah, we can. We can. I'll do pee breaks. Thank you. Gross, but yes. What is the? I don't have to break. I could do it right here. What would the difficulty be? So you are trying to I'm still cast... berserk, so it's a success. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So you are trying to cast this thing that you've been kind of innately working for you, mm-hmm. uh, that you cast away a little bit when you called the lightning. But this is kind of an active version of the invisibility that you have had subconsciously for 200 years at this point Mm -hmm. this is the first time that you were engaging with it actively Mm -hmm. this is hard okay you have two black dice two black and one blue die all right the two black dice representing the fact that you called lightning twice twice so that is like very specifically working against your cover okay the blue die represents the fact that, ooh, I had a good reason for giving you this blue die, and now I'm trying to remember, which is wild because it was seconds ago, mm. seconds ago that I thought of this. The blue die is representing, it might just be your long history with this, uh-huh. the, the, the fact that it was like working subconsciously for, for 200 years. Yeah, that's what we're going to go with. So that'll be, and that'll take two strain from it's casting take two the spell. Strain. And you're um, going to take six strain from. I, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that math. Um, I'm going to take one more 
wound to do a sacrifice for the spell. Um, cool. And I don't know what physically that's that's going to look like. Maybe I'll burn a memory or something, but no, I don't want to burn a memory. You said you were doing a wound. That implies that I'll you're, do it. I'll hurt myself. Yeah, yeah. You're physically enduring pain. Oh, I know what it is. So I'm putting out the fire on my hand, mm-hmm. but I'm allowing myself to get burned by it. Cool. All right. So we're just going to stamp that out, like, step on my own foot. Uh, all the while, keep an eye on the. This is a big old dice pool. Hopefully, it goes good. All right. Holy shit. Could all right. Okay. So both my successes are canceled out. (laughs) So the math it maths out to three failures. That's what it maths out to. There is no hiding Mm. from what is about to happen. Do I hear this too? This is not being said by anyone but the narrator. Okay. Do I hear it, though? Do I hear it? Johnny hears it. Travis doesn't. Okay. This was foretold by a seer, perhaps the greatest living seer, Jonnet Kessler. You cannot hide from this moment. In Jonnet's vision, you kneeled before the morning star. That will come to pass. When it comes to pass, might still be up in the air but you did give away a full minute of your head start. The star still crashing through the sky, a trail of gold and silver fire behind it as it streaks towards this specific place in the forest. Gable singes themselves on their own fire as they try to focus on hiding, try to move themselves back into that formless, insubstantial magic eye state that they have inhabited for so long. They have so many feathers. They have opened themselves up to a connection to the universe. They are solid and the stars are falling again. Am I invisible now? No. Uh, and Travis just gives Gable the finger. <laughs> you can't you can't see it, what I'm doing. Oh, but it's funny. Your spell fails. Your spell fails, and the star grows larger and larger, closer and closer. You think on the fact that this was foretold. This was in a prophecy that Jonnet spoke to you. You also think on the fact that you made a promise to Travis about that prophecy. Mm -hmm. And then he is here. glorious collection of wings and eyes and fire and light and majesty that rings out with the voice of the heavens. Be not afraid. How could I ever be afraid of you? Gently and slowly he descends down to earth. Do I see this? You do. 
Travis, this is the craziest fucking thing you've ever seen in a very long life. I'm going to give you a side eye. Tip your, 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 your mouth closed and give you the eyebrows like you either leave or you hide. I thought I was invisible. I'm just going to turn back. <laughs> I thought you were lost to me. Only, only by choice. And then you hear the hiss of static as he says your name. Is it truly you? You know I cannot hear. He lands now and begins to change into a physical form. Your eyes shift from struggling to behold the grand majesty of heaven's design to seeing a being with wings. He is beautiful. Even in a physical form, the only thing a mortal mind can attach itself to when witnessing him is the concept of beauty. He possesses not just wings on his back, but so many wings. A set of wings at his temple, a set of wings at his hips, at his knees, at his feet, on his wrists, on his elbows. The many eyes on them flare out with a terrible majesty. He reaches out towards you with a strong arm that is so graceful it is almost delicate. He does not touch you, but makes a gesture as though he is running his fingers over your cheek and along your jaw. My goodness, what have they done to you down here? What have you done to yourself? <coughs> God, I ate an apple bad earlier. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me? Sorry, it was just in heaven I ate an apple bad. Um. That happens sometimes, you know. Apples are a thing in the whole heaven-hell sort of there's symbolic, like, mm -hmm. it's not out of pace for an apple to be part of the experience. No, of, this all tracks. It all tracks with apples. It's all part of it. I'm yeah. allergic to apples. Wow. That's what, is it a... Is that a you thing or a you thing? It's a me thing. Mm. And a me thing. Why not? Does it make your mouth itchy? Oh, it does. Very itchy. Mm. Can't eat it. But if they're cooked, fine. In a pie? pie? Oh, I love an apple pie. Boiled? I could, apple pie. I, could, I could probably eat a boiled apple. I don't know why I'd want what? to. I could eat applesauce. I could drink apple juice. Microwave? I just can't bite into one of those bullets. Could you oh. bob for an apple? With just, I, as long as I don't break the apple skin, I think I could. But I wouldn't want to because everyone's heads have been in that bucket. That's true. Mm -hmm. Bobbing for an apple with just suction. <laughs> That's it. We're bobbing for apples this Halloween. <laughs> My comings and goings you've seen. I have not. No? How strange. Your power must not have grown as much as I thought it had. There is no power to grow to. There is only the absence of the throne. And the absence of many of the servants who were lost in the shuffle. The world hangs by a thread. And so many who were cast down have been lost. You knew that would happen, though? Whatever could you mean? The choices we made. The choices you made cast you down. That is true for everyone 
who shared your fate. But the choices they made, and he casts a dark glance in Travis's direction, wounded so many of you far beyond that initial punishment. I do not remember the words you spoke to me as I fell. All I know is how they feel inside my skull. And it feels every day like a raw nerve being dragged over sand. If I could have spared you that punishment... You could have. You could have done many things, but you chose not to in your pursuit of power. And I would advise you not to pretend like what happened didn't. Sweet star, you are confused. And that is understandable. You have been through so much. And you have felt it all in a way that you were never meant to feel anything. But I did not come here to further your punishment. I told you, be not afraid. And I meant it. The heavens are empty. All that stands before you now is a chance for redemption. I have convinced the throne that we need more, not less. Sweet light, this is an opportunity. An opportunity to settle the great burden of what you did. What we did. I have paid my price for what we did. And you have suffered yours for what you did. And Gable, you're scrambling at your memories right now. Mm -hmm. You do not remember falling. You remember the experience of falling, but you don't know what led up to it. Mm -mm. You know what was said to you before you were cast down to the earth, but not what preceded it. Mm -mm. You remember your experience on Sphere. You remember the emotions and the act of slaying the Sovereign. But not in between. I have a question. Yes. I know Gable's name, but Gable does not know their name. Correct. Would it help them in any way if I told them their name? You don't know. Okay. I want to. If if I'm if I may, just a real hard side. I. What do you? What do you? Gable, make a perception check while this is happening. Okay. Oh. (laughs) Four threats, one failure, and one triumph. Mm. Okay. Intriguing. So I cannot give you the information that I was looking to give you. But you are noticing something else. The wings worn by the morning star. There are some that are made of gold. They have silver in them. There are some, like, I think there are some sets of wings on, like, his wrists. I think there are some sets of wings coming out of his ribs and whatnot and what you'll notice about those is they are of like kind of a modeled almost calico collection Mm. that have the white silver and black 
Like a kitty cat. Like a little kitty cat. Mm-hmm. A little kitty. You love a kitty. Neil. Uh, no, Travis. I am the voice of the empty throne. I am the morning star, brightest in the sky. First of his creations. Neil. Should I kneel? I wouldn't. Okay. Gable said they wouldn't, so I'm not going to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a lot of dice. Oh. Jeez. Huh? Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Woo. Mama Mia. Here we go again. There are some threats, but a lot of successes yeah. and a triumph. Yeah, 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 yeah. He snaps his fingers. Travis, you having a connection to the forest, this place, you can feel something happen. I think the threats are, you know that this place, this domain resisted his whims but only resisted them and only fleetingly with a snap of his fingers you feel the vines beneath your feet recede and then the gravity beneath you intensify until you are forced onto the ground You will be forgiven, for you knew not what you did. I'm going to use my last two wounds, and that's going to put me at zero for everything, to cast one last spell. Oh, shit. I want to pull one of those calico feathers out of him. Wow. How are you going about doing this? Is this a... Actually, I don't think it needs to be a spell. I think it could just be brawl, right? Yeah, could, this could just be brawl. Like it depends on how you're approaching this situation. I, I think because you're if you're going to just lunge and try and grab some feathers, you can totally do that. Mm-hmm. It will probably be quite difficult, quite difficult to pull off. Yeah, but there are probably some approaches that I will not simply give to you that you will have to think of that might be easier. Can I ask? The forest queen to grab one for me. You're going to cast out towards the luminary to make a deal with the queen. Mm -hmm. There's kind of, uh, first of all, I want to know, are you not kneeling specifically before? I'm not. Okay. Uh, Can I ask one question? Yes. As we all know, I try this matter though. I'm sort of a luminary. And though I am not in my body, if I wish and try, could I transform in the captain's body? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I'm going to say maybe for sure. (laughs) I think it would be fun to try. I want this to be a simultaneous thing because I love both of these ideas. So we look at each other like three. So when he makes me kneel, Mm -hmm. I want to say, 
I am Travis Matico, and I kneel before no one, and my friend, and uh, I want to I want to say Gable's name, which is Az- Azriel, correct? Uriel. 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 Oh, Azriel is from the Smurfs. From the Golden Compass. Um, oh, you're right. Yeah. I think Azriel is from a bunch of different things. Yeah. Mm, it's it a, must be a thing. It's a Jesus-y thing. <laughs> <laughs> One of the one of your classic Jesusy uh, things. And my friend Uriel, Travis looks over and winks, and I will be leaving this glade unharmed. And then I want to try and transform. Cool. <laughs> what, what happened? You reach. If you have an intent to approach <clears throat> the queen, mm-hmm. you are still in the forest. And frankly, you have something compelling. No one could get her. You hear a voice in your soul. What have you brought before me, child of the sovereign? I promise to be the hand that slays your son. And what would you have need of? I need simply for you to remove a trespasser in your domain. I, I object. It is done. Ah, beans. Fine evening to our newest deckhand. I understand our intrepid first mate has you clean in the stables tomorrow. But, rumor has it, you've never worked on a ship with a full-size aviary before. Well then, listen here. It'd be in all our interest that you end your shifts with all your limbs intact. I hope you don't mind me saying, but you sound like the provincial sort. So I'll start from the beginning. Every bird in the face of sphere that lays eggs, from the proudest eagle to the humblest sparrow, is blessed with a peculiar gift. Once in its life, it will yield a golden egg. You oughtn't go melting it down for rings or coin, though. For if it sits true, it'll grow into something far more valuable. Any hatchling raised from a golden egg has a chance to grow many times the size of a specimen of its mundane counterparts. Round Aram, we call them lionbirds, or griffins. Before ships took flight under featherweave, Griffinback was the safest way to travel sphere after the fall. The oldest cities that stayed cities relied on flocks of griffins and riders to keep in communication and barter for essential goods. Many folk like to say that griffin riders wove the original cloth that skyjacks were cut from. Looking at a small thing like a robin, you wouldn't imagine that it could grow large enough to carry anything. But for a time, folk hung the entire hopes of their communities on the backs of feathered wings. Given the right conditions, a gold hatchling can grow to be around eight times its natural size. The most skilled falconers boast they can rear a bird up to ten times its size, but I've never made a study of birds enough to separate gust from bluster. And the true aim for most is to yield a bird large enough for a person to ride. Of course, not every golden hatchling will reach such heights. 
It takes a skilled and well-resourced falconer to yield a griffin full. These days, most griffins are bred and raised to serviceable size by falconers. It is possible for griffins to grow on their own in the wild, but it is considerably more rare. Still, there are plenty of falconers who spend their time trapping, taming, and training griffins rather than breeding them. In addition to being larger, griffins are also heartier and cleverer than common avian stock. Griffin bones, skin, and feathers are strong enough that they're used by some folk as armor. And even the simplest bird makes a clever griffin, and the most intelligent will rival some of the sorrier sky dogs I've shared a deck with. That makes them easy to train and capable of difficult and dangerous work. A full-size hawk can stand 15 feet, and if she doesn't trust you, she'll be clever enough to bide her time and take an arm, if you're lucky, and your life if you're not. And with their resilience, you'd have to be very clever indeed with a pistol to put one down if things turned foul. But even with the danger, having griffins aboard is to be sought and prized. They can scout courses, ferry messages, save clumsy line folk, and they're a dab hand in a fight. A good griffin is the best partner you can have in the sky. Save a wise and generous senior skyjack, of course. Just do well and listen to your master falconer. And buy a drink for anyone who's generous enough to share solid wisdom. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku channel for free. Just search for The Shortlist, Summer. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash the Neoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. 
You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists, and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. And once for our friends near rise, twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny. The call of the sky